Welcome to Rumble Strip, America Heilman. So I went down to a conference in Birmingham, Alabama, and I ended up I mean this man. I mean this man. And I remember that we touched hands by accident. T- touched hands by accident. And then all of a sudden I started blushing and crying, like, oh my god, I love this. <laughs> and it was a, it was a sign. That's Thomas Caswell. He has autism, which doesn't tell you very much about him. I mean, if you told him your birthday and how old you were, he could tell you what day of the week you were born. But that also doesn't tell you very much about who he is. Autism doesn't describe a person. If you've met one person with autism, then you've met one person with autism. But over the last couple of years in his early 20s, Thomas has been coming out of the closet in stages. And along with the pretty common difficulties of coming out, there are some special difficulties if you're a person with a disability. Here's Thomas. Autism is a spectrum. Nobody on the autism spectrum is the same. Some are not able to talk that much. Some flap their hands physically like this. Some jump up and down. Some anxiety makes them stutter, something that happens to me. It's funny because when, when I first got here, you were pulling up on your bike and I was pulling up in my car and you were um, going to lock your bike up on a tree. And I kind of started giving advice and what, what about this? And I, I don't think it's going to be long enough. Or, and I, I thought to myself, he's been biking a long time. Why am I even having a vote in this? Did you notice that moment? I did, and it's still, and it feel it feels like you know people with disabilities may have difficulty doing things. And they feel like people naturally just want to come and help them, and you know it's the mixed reactions to that. So sometimes that was appreciated. Sometimes the help I don't really need it. I just need some, may need some time to figure it out. Back in early '90s, that was born in the mid nine the nine '90s. When the thought system was stigmatized back then, back then my, even my own, one of my own parents thought that you're autistic, you, don't talk, you can't talk, and that's not exactly the case. There are some, you know, physical so that can come with, come with it sometimes. Some people with autism, like I used to, have muscle tones. Some, are, some have balance issues, may have balance issues. So it takes time to be able to overcome those, overcome those obstacles. For most people know that autism is a developmental dis- disorder, so, so, de- so people like us are more likely to be developmentally delayed in things. So when it came to have to, be, have to act like a, like a normal, like what's normal? Seriously, what's normal? Normal child. I had to be told to be corrected to do, corrected to do so. What did they want you to do to be normal? It's just that, you know, it taught me they ha- had to just try to blend in. So does that also include expressions of joy or something that you, you're, that you want to do or a way that you want to be? Does it feel like you're pinned down? Yes, it definitely feels like I'm pinned down. I feel, feel like I get that joy taken, taken out of a having because I feel, feel like people expect act what they say normal if you don't then people will not respect you it's like how am i supposed to express myself the way i want to when other people are telling me 
that I need need to do need to do or act a certain way around other people, different people. In your life, going to the grocery store, in your life, going to the public library, in your life, going to the hardware store with your mother, whatever. Tell me, what was the experience growing up of living with this thing called autism? Well, my parents didn't really take me out that much when I was little just because I would get over assimilated and, and everything. So I kind of had to grow upon that. I always liked being out with my mom much better than me and my dad. No offense to him. I didn't enjoy being on my dad as much as I did with my, to my mom. He would try to start to start arguing with me out in public, and I didn't want people to hear anything like, like us, because like be humiliated that way. And uh, that way, whenever and whenever he did so, the stress level just went way up. And I was like, "You need to be quiet. Need to take a breath," and he did not. And would he be arguing about, would he be angry about some behavior of yours? Oh, yes. Just because maybe I don't see a person. Duh. Maybe I might get too close to a person accident. You might get too close to somebody by accident. Exactly. Exactly. Where we regard, the, may not be aware that they're there. And my dad never reinforced that and told me, get out. It's like, there's a person right there. You can't get too close. And I'm like, ugh. It's like I am being punished for something that I cannot control. When somebody yells, it's like creating this fight or flight situation, especially of autism. You're more likely to have that, to get to get, bring that message of the fight and flight reaction. I want to be able to live, to live a teenage life that was full of love and laughter and everything like that. That was really, and that was just really disappointing. As soon as I left after high school, that's when I just started to think, wait a minute, something's different about me than just the autism. I felt that, felt that I was a lot more feminine than a lot of other boys. And I started really paying attention to this. Just when I give a hug to a woman, you know, it's it's nice. I was always, but nothing happened. But really, nothing happens. I didn't really. Versus when I got another guy, I have an emotional feelings inside, and I knew that it was time for me to make this big change that changed my life. And and. The message, the message ended up becoming quite, becoming quite clear that I'm gay. When, there, when it comes to men-woman couples, as a lot of people know, there is a lot of expectations. The man does this, the woman does that. The, when you are in a relationship with, two, with the two people of the same sex, there's a lot more flexibility in what you can do and how you do things together. So it's like the structure's not... So it's like the heterosexual structure is not there. And when you are, wait, in my situation, like two feminine men, you know, you can, you can act lady or man as, as much as a lady or man as you want. You don't, there's no compromise. <laughs> Like, 
lot of people assume a lot of us on the autism spectrum or with disabilities are straight. So when you are a person with a disability that identifies within the LGBTQIA spectrum, it can feel like having to come out twice. A lot of people with disabilities, they don't, they're not their own guardian. They don't have control. Even later in life, they may not have their life. They say maybe they might be in their, maybe they might be still living with their parents or to, to feel like that they're, maybe they're not in charge. Maybe they're, and maybe they don't know they're not in charge of their own bodies. So it's your, your, you have sort of an overseer and in some way that keeps you tamped down in terms of really accessing this really important part about who you are. Absolutely. If they are under supervision, feel like they're being watched at all times. How does that affect their ability, to, their kind of coming to terms with their own sexuality? Does that slow that down? Does it prevent it for some people? I believe it definitely slows it down, and it can also prevent also prevent it because they have to go through a lot of the, of the things. Like some may have to go to therapy or respite or any of those any of those things. Plus, if there's disability that's not able to be, you know, that their disability a disability makes it so they are not able to, you know, ever live on their own or or be able to do to do some things on their own. They may have a harder time. And why is that? Why is that harder? For I mean, for everybody, there's a kind of coming to terms with your sexuality at a certain point, right? Everybody, everybody goes through that. Well, how is it different for people with disabilities? Because many people with disabilities don't get to make their own choices. They do, they don't. And this is what the advocacy movement is all about: is having people with disabilities be able to come out and express themselves of who they are and be able and be able to have a voice. And some people with disabilities feel like they're deprived of that communication. Communication. They're constantly being told what to do, being told what to do, how to, how to do certain things and live their life and live their lives, even when they're adults. Especially for those people with disabilities who are more severe and happy and have to be taken care of a lot more than others. Some people feel like they can't take anybody out on a date because if that person needs supervision, someone needs to be there with, the, with them at that table. And, it, and that can get quite awkward. I mean, when we talk about sexuality, there's that, and then there's, there's, there's the, the bigger point, which I guess is love, right? Mm -hmm. What do you, want from another person what do you imagine for yourself well first let me go back to the beginning okay. i'd like to be getting up that point because there's still some people that think that autism can't feel love and that's absolutely not true we can feel love just like anybody else else some people with disabilities they want to they want to be able to have romantic and sexual relationships some don't which is perfectly fine we people with disabilities would love to be able to kiss, love to be able to, to be able to cuddle up, would love to be able to have sex, just like anybody else. Why, why do people not understand that? Why would people assume otherwise? Because it's like society desexualized people with disabilities. They don't see, see people with disabilities in this hungry type of drive that, that everybody else has want to have sexual relationships and what what comes with that 
a lot of love. Love. In my situation, my, my, my relationship now is kind of a miracle. When you're a person that experiences a rough past, both my boyfriend and I did, it's like this miracle that comes into your life and changes it for the better that you did not expect. It's like a light at the end of the tunnel that just comes out and it's like, whoa. <laughs> so, it's so, it's so, this is wonderful. That was Thomas Caswell. Thomas started a project called I Know Who I Am and I Feel Welcome. It gives people with disabilities who identify with the LGBTQ population a place to explore their own sexual identities. And he's done workshops on the state and the national level. I want to thank Emily Anderson for introducing me to Thomas. Emily is at Champlain Community Services. She is a kind of queen of coordinating advocacy groups. She's really great. There are links to more information about Thomas's work and self-advocacy groups on my website at rumblestripvermont.com. The music for the show is by Brian Clark and Mike D'Onofrio, and there's an arrangement for toy piano and piano by Margaret Lenz Tang. Uh, the t-shirts are ready, the show t-shirts. They say Rumble Strip. It's a podcast. I have sizes small through extra, extra, extra large. Um, they're 20 bucks plus 5 bucks for shipping. And if you live in a place like New Zealand or Sweden, we'll figure something out. I would also love it if you would send me a picture of you in your shirt from wherever it is you live. And um, maybe a sentence about what you happen to be doing when the picture's taken and I'll start a page on the site with your pictures. So buy shirts, send pictures. That would be great. It would also be great if you had a minute to write a review for um, the show on iTunes because that helps new listeners find the show in the great sea that is um, the world of podcasts. This is Erica Heilman. I'll be back soon with new shows. Thanks a lot for listening.